0: This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Gen Z, the foot sizing and shopping app that makes it so easy to buy shoes for your kids that fit perfectly. With 70% of kids wearing shoes that don't fit, Gen Z is an amazing, easy solution, and it's free. Download the free Gen Z app, that's J-E-N-Z-Y, in the App Store for iOS devices today. And we have a special offer just for Spawned listeners. Use the code COOLMOMPIX and save 25% off your first order when you order off
1: Hello, and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbener, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of
0: Spawned, we are talking about... mean girls and bullying basically every parent's heartache and hell. But we've got an amazing expert on to help us navigate it all. Hopefully.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think so. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So our guest is Katie Hurley. She's a child and adolescent psychotherapist, writer and speaker in Los Angeles. You know, her new book, which we're going to talk most about, is called No More Mean Girls, The Secret to Raising Strong, Confident, and compassionate girls, but this isn't her first rodeo. She also has the Happy Kid Handbook, How to Raise Joyful Children in a Stressful World. And you know who blurbed her book? One of our favorites, Jessica Leahy. So... We know she's good people, Liz.
0: Yay! (laughs) Katie, (laughs) welcome. We are so happy to have you on. Oh, thanks
2: for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: We are the parents of, let's see, five girls between us. Five girls and one boy with a 14 and a 13-year-old at the top. We are definitely in mean girl land Yes, we (laughs) are. Yeah, you you know. You know the drill. Yeah, this uh, is—and not our girls. Our girls are not the mean girls, hopefully. Um, But this (laughs) is—yeah, this is definitely, like, near and dear to us. And first, let me just say this. The book is unbelievable. I can't put it down. I'm not done with it yet, but it's really a page turner. Oh,
2: thank you.
0: So let me ask you first since we do have one boy in the mix of our kids, is this book
2: relevant to boys too, or is this really a girl problem? It's funny. People keep asking me this, and the truth is, it actually is relevant to boys too, because the trend that we're seeing in you hate to use the word trend with bullying, but the trend that we're seeing in bullying statistics right now is that the sort of physical bullying of, of yesterday is down. You know, we still see some things like things go viral, obviously, on Facebook really quickly. So if someone's just really like beating up another kid, you're going to see that video really fly. But actually, we're seeing less of that and more relational aggression, which is sort of the sneaky, under-the-cover, mean girls kind of bullying. But boys are also engaging in that as well. So a lot of this really does apply to boys.
0: Got it. So it's less like dipping the pigtail and the proverbial inkwell and more, I'm going to put your face on this naked body and put it on Snapchat. That's right. Yay!
1: Parents. for technology! I, I miss the days of the inkwell, and I can't believe I've, I'm saying that, because I was bullied to the point in fifth grade that my parents took me out of school, but it was not relational or, it, I mean, it was emotional, but it was like, let's lock Kristen in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> so, gosh, that must have been Yeah, common. I know. So I don't know if I'm extra sensitive to it. Liz, I know you had some experiences at camp, too, so I don't know if we're just extra sensitive. But Oh,
0: yeah, I had a mean girl, and like I actually met her again recently as an adult. And you know, you kind of hope that you'll have that come to Jesus that you hope for like 30 years later, I'm going to like confront her. And I'm like, hey, and she's like, I totally don't remember you at all. Uh, I'm like, yeah, of course you don't. Because I was probably one of like 87,000 girls that you bullied.
1: (laughs) That's lovely.
0: So listen, so when we talk to our girl, because I actually told that story to my daughter about how we've all kind of survived it. I don't know if that helps or not. But you know, what do we tell our girls about Mean girls and bullies. Like, do we, do we try to have empathy with them? Do we, you know, I think about that scene at the end of Wrinkle in Time where you realize that the girls who were so mean to Meg had problems at home and one was anorexic and one was being abused. And, you know,
2: do you, do we try to empathize or understand our bullies or is that just crazy? You know, I actually think that's helpful. Um, And it is helpful to talk to our girls about experiences we had, because we all had some version of something. We may not have gone through exactly what they're going through. You know, all the stressors are kind of different today than they were 20, 30 years ago. But we can empathize with them. And I think we have to have a balance, because we don't want to send the message to them, well, this person's life is so hard, so just let them off the hook for doing this thing repeatedly over and over again that's really hurting you. But the flip side of it is, if we can help them empathize a little bit and step out side of it, they can depersonalize it. So they can say, well, Ah. it's not I'm not the reason that this girl is, you know, repeatedly ripping me up on Instagram. It's because her parents are getting a divorce and they're really fighting all the time and they're not being very kind to her and she's really struggling. And so they can kind of take the personal element out of it and they can step outside of the situation. And that doesn't mean that they have to go and try to fix the bully, you know, or be friends with the bully, but they can step away from it and say, this isn't about me. This doesn't need to affect my self-esteem and my self-confidence you know, and they can understand it from a different perspective.
0: And you talked about, you know, factors kind of changing these days. And one of them, obviously, there's social media. But also, Mean Girls really are starting earlier. I mean, it seems that way to me. There was this one quote you had in the book from a third grade girl, which broke my heart, where she said, sometimes I'm quiet because other kids don't get mad at you when you're quiet. I know. That's an eight-year-old. So is this starting earlier? Are we just more aware of it? Are kids just talking about it more? What do you think is going on right now?
2: It is starting earlier. I mean, I've been working with young kids and tweens and teens for 20 years now. And when I first started out, these behaviors, this kind of relational aggression where you're trying to hurt the reputation of another person or isolate them or you know make it so that they don't have friends and they feel horrible about themselves. That kind of stuff was in high school when I first was starting out working with kids. I mean, the younger ones, it was really like social skills. Like, let's teach them how to be friends. And then it trickled down to middle school and then it was fourth grade. And now it's kindergarten and first grade. We're seeing these behaviors. In kindergarten. Kinder- kindergarten where yep. are kids picking this up in kindergarten well you know kids are privy to a lot of different kinds of media it would be easy to just blame social media because if we did that then we could just take it all away and get rid of it and the problem would <laughs> go away right, right? that's yeah. not how it works you know if you really start to pick things apart You see things in that kids are watching television shows that are above their developmental level because they can. Hey, Netflix is great on a rainy day, but unless we're really engaging with our kids and paying attention to what they're watching, they may be seeing some very teenage things at age six or seven, and they can't necessarily make sense of it, but what they can do is copy it. What they can do is try it out and see if it works on the recess yard in first grade. And so some of it's media, some of it's books. I mean, when you really start, Picking things apart, kids are flooded with this stuff every which way they turn, and we're all so super connected. And boundaries are not as defined as they once were between adults and children. And I'm not saying that we go back to days of yore when, you know, children were to be seen and not heard, because I don't think that was good at all. But we've kind of gotten to this murky place where there aren't a lot of boundaries between age groups and between adults and kids, and there's just a lot of information coming at very young kids they don't necessarily understand. It's
1: so funny because we had um, Angela Santomero, who is the producer and creator behind, like, Blue's Clues and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, and she talked a lot about this, and it's funny, I just went to see Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about Mr. Rogers, and that was kind of one of his things even back in the day, that kids' television was showing them things that they didn't need to see, that they weren't ready for yet, and that was, you know, one of the impetuses I guess, for his show. And I know that's why Angela was so passionate about her work, too. And I think it's hard. I mean, I've got four kids, right? So my oldest watched all the age-appropriate shows on whatever channels. They weren't streaming yet. So it was a different experience. But now you look at my seven-year-old who's got older siblings. And so like, if we want to watch anything together, then she really has to age up in what she's watching. Right. And, you know, truthfully, it's probably not the best for her. So it's not like parents are purposefully doing this. It's like, you know, I need some sanity or whatever it is. And kids are being exposed to no, it. No,
0: that's true. When I was seven, I remember watching The Muppet Show and it was like yeah. a big deal because I was allowed to stay up
2: like to 7.30
0: yes. or whatever right. to watch it. And now seven-year-olds are watching like haters back off
2: right. on YouTube. <laughs> well, that's a YouTube is that's a whole different animal entirely. But part of it is that we're trying to do things, you know, everywhere parents turn, it's like do things as a family, do things as a family. Well, your 14-year-old isn't going to want to watch Minions 3 or something <laughs> right that, you know, your right. seven-year-old yeah. should watch, right? So it is very complicated. And then there's that bit about, you know, they get to a certain age and they sort of start to age out of those Cartoons that are, you know, on the channels we all prefer because we know it's all very safe and they're learning good lessons. They kind of age out of that, but then where do they go? I mean, tween girls, there's Just Add Magic on Amazon, and that's a really wonderfully written and produced show that sends some good messages, but also taps into normal things tween girls go through, like, oh my God, do I like that boy? I don't know if I like that boy. What is this feeling? You know, so they do some of that, but it's perfectly age appropriate for tween girls. But those shows honestly, are few and far between right now. And so you know, people like me, it's like, I'm up at night. I don't want to be up late at night watching so awkward to see if it's appropriate for my 11 year old. But like, how else am I going to know if it's appropriate? And and I think that's a great point. And we hear it all the time because we on our tech
1: site, Cool Mom Tech. We get questions like this nonstop. And that's why, you know, just to kind of like, we'll like give ourselves a pat on the back. Like we try our best really to like share educational and awesome YouTube channels and also educate parents on the YouTubers that they're kids are watching. Should they be watching these things or not? People love common sense media. There are some resources out there, but you're right. As a parent, it's so exhausting. And sometimes we're just like, okay. And then the challenge is that do we pay the price, right? Like of that, of that one little time where we're like, okay, go ahead, watch that weird show where they're always screaming, right? you know, and then you like hear your kids screaming and you're like, damn, why did I do that?
0: But sometimes the mean kids are the heroes. You know, I think that was one of the reasons that the Heathers remake kind of tanked was because they made the Heathers like heroic right. a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, I can see where younger kids who don't have those critical thinking skills think that it's cool or funny or you get props or social currency from humiliating or torturing the other kids. Right, good time. And in fact, you know what? I'd love to talk about definitions for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. My mom's an educator, and we talk about this a lot. The administrators in our school talk about this, that the term bullying is one of the most overused and improperly used terms oh, it among is. parents.
2: Yeah, it's so watered down.
0: Yeah. So how do you differentiate between teasing, taunting, general meanness, offhanded quips, and actual bullying?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing that parents need to understand and internally that Bullying is repeated behavior and it's behavior intended to harm. So, you know, kids make social errors all the time and they're supposed to be allowed to make social errors. It's how they learn and grow. You know, they're out there and they're making a joke and the joke isn't funny to someone else. And oops, I learned a really important lesson that that's a joke in my head that sounded great, really hurt someone else's feelings. Like they have to have these errors and these sort of micro failures so that they can pick themselves up and say, wait, what went wrong? And Why did it hurt that person's feelings? And why will I not do that again? And what should I do differently? I always say to parents, it's trial and error. It's trial and error. But right now, parents are so quick to label someone a bully because they said one mean thing. Well, you know, have you ever had just like a really bad day and something horrible popped out of your mouth because it was a long day and you just felt crappy and, you know, it just popped out of your mouth, right? At the end of the day, we all do this as as adults, you know, sometimes we vent to a friend, a a family member, a spouse, whatever, and maybe the things we're venting aren't really coming out the way that in our heads we thought they were going to come out and maybe it's too overwhelming for that person, but are we, does it make us mean or does it make us someone who's under stress? and maybe didn't make the right choice. We tend to give adults the benefit of the doubt a little bit more, but when it's kids, we get so caught up in behavior. Interesting. What is good behavior? And if my kid makes an error and vents out something horrid, are other people going to think I'm a terrible parent? We're so afraid uh, of being judged. So true. So true. So we jump in. You know, we jump in really hard on punishments and labels, and we want to call those kids bullies. Stay away from that kid. That kid's a bully. Like, well, what if that kid just had a really bad day? You know, what if that kid's mother is yeah. sick? Yeah. 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 yeah
0: I've, I have had like a couple know? incidents like that. So my daughter was, I don't know, fourth grade, and she's sweet. She's like a nice kid. She is imperfect as all kids are. Yeah, But she's overall very empathetic kid. And her sister had like kind of a frenemy. Second grade. Second grade frenemy. How about that for (laughs) younger mean girls? (laughs) Who was not very nice. And she would come to our house and say things like, well, I have more My Little Pony toys at my house. Or, you know, oh, I think the shows you watch are inappropriate. The girl was like just not very nice. And so my older daughter, her sister, was kind of defensive of her. And I think said something like a little sassy to the frenemy. Next thing you know, I'm getting like an angry, crazy phone call from the girl's mom saying that my daughter is bullying her daughter and it was really it was shocking and awful to hear your kid it was like a horrible slur like to hear her labeled a bully and I thought what is she doing that's bullying her and she said well you know she's whatever she said in her own imperfect fourth grade way was basically like stop making fun of my sister yeah but it was probably like stop making fun of my sister you jerk <laughs> and ugly, or whatever sure. yeah you know like something I, terrible and I, I, and it was devastating to think of your kid as potentially being a bully or being labeled that, because I think
2: once that label uh, hits you in school, it sticks. It it does. It does stick. And then other parents talk and then, you know, kids get isolated, right, because they tell their kids, stay away from that kid. And one of the biggest driving factors behind writing this book was that I have worked with kids for so long and I work with girls in groups, as you probably know, and then I also do individual therapy. And one thing I see over and over again is if we give kids the skills they need— if we help them learn how to resolve conflict, if we help them learn to talk about feelings and emotions, if we help them learn how to start a conversation, join a group, leave a group, all these skills that we as adults kind of take for granted. If we really work on these with kids and we come from a positive perspective, This stuff can stop. You know, we can head this off at the pass. Is bullying totally going to go away forever? No, of course not. Because, you know, there's stress and there's anxiety and there's problems. And sometimes when people have problems, they don't handle them correctly. But if we get in there and we teach them All this stuff, especially conflict resolution, you know, that's a great example of, well, what is the correct way to handle that? You know, if we really work with kids and role play it and practice and give them the words and help them come up with their own words, we can head a lot of this stuff off at the pass instead of just labeling everybody
1: bullies. I love that. It's so important. And I also feel as though, I mean, I do a lot of this with my kids. My background is in therapy, so maybe that's why. But also, you know, I feel like there's been a huge shift in terms of focusing on academics and sports with kids. And I feel like a lot of parental energy is going into that, right? Like achievement, achievement, achievement. And I feel like a lot of these skills, a lot of this social training, whatever you want to call it, right? Like the things that don't necessarily come naturally to everyone. I think most people at some level are awkward. You know, there are so many adults that still don't get like, you know, people are ghosting out of relationships, like clearly didn't learn, didn't go to a social skills group. (laughs) But I feel like these things are so important for kids to focus on and what is unfortunate to me as a parent those are the things that don't really get the pats on the back that we would like to see like let's just say like a lot of what we do I think in parenting right now is like look at my kid look what they did and we put it on social media right but yeah. like to say like my daughter learned how to exit a room and say goodbye to her friends without pissing everybody off like that doesn't get like the cheers and the likes there's on no social. There's no trophy for that. Yeah there is <laughs> yeah, no. I mean right. there's no trophy for anything really but like on social media like my kid got the like 100 percent on their test as opposed to like for me like the reward to see like my kids being able to navigate the challenges of relationships and you know two kids versus four and three kids which is what I find is challenging for my kids like to me that's awesome so I'm wondering like how do we make this the reward in parenting right it's like Mm -hmm. See, you reap the
2: benefits, I guess, later on (laughs) or even right away. I mean, it's hard and it's funny because I go around and I speak at schools and nonprofits coast to coast and I talk a lot about this stuff. And, you know, one of the things I keep telling parents is that Google really did this interesting internal study about six months ago and they wanted to find out who are the most successful people at Google? Like, who is sticking around long-term? Who's climbing the ranks? You know, what does it boil down to? And what they anticipated that it was going to be the people who scored highest in STEM skills. And what they found out when they ran the numbers was that STEM skills came in dead last in terms of success (laughs) at Google. And what came in the first seven spots were all the so-called soft skills, like, You know, being able to communicate with others, being empathic, um, being a good coach, being a good listener. Those were all the things that were really highly important. Oh,
0: I just want to say, I'm really glad you said that because whenever my kids bring home their report cards, I look at all their stuff and I'm like, oh, you got a three in this, you got a four in this, you got a three in this, four in this. And then when we get to personal behaviors, I always say, oh, you guys got all fours. This is the part where I'm most proud of you. (laughs) So great. Three in math, four in math, whatever. But like you're kind, you listen, you're respectful, you participate. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. So I'm glad I'm focusing on the right things. You and not are You're just like, brushing focused. off their math scores, and that's <laughs> what
2: we need to do as individuals: is go through those report cards and look for the soft skills and look for the comments that the teacher said. I mean, I just got my kids' report cards in the mail because I'm on the other coast now and whatever. So I just got them, and I sat down with my son who's nine, and you know, I, I skipped over the grades and went to the last page to read the comments. And it's you know, one of the first comments was. Liam really shows leadership potential because he's so kind and caring and thoughtful with other kids in the classroom and I started to cry and he was like oh my god is it bad why are you crying no I'm crying because it's so wonderful this is such a great thing about you and I'm so glad that they recognize this about you because he can be kind of quiet and I did the same with my daughter I sat her down and I read the comments first and we talked about those sort of soft skill things first and said like why is this so important and what do you bring to the table when you are a good listener and when you are empathic and when you're interested in other people. And, you know, that's the thing that parents need to focus on. But part of these behavioral changes we're seeing in kids come from this generation of super kids yep. that everybody's trying to raise. You know, they're playing club sports around the clock at age seven. It's absurd. Yeah. You know, they're playing soccer at age two. You know, there aren't shin guards that fit two-year-olds. There's a reason <laughs> I for <know>. that.
0: <laughs> I
2: know. Because they
0: don't have shins. They have like two inches between their knees and their ankles at that point.
2: <laughs> I, sometimes I step outside of everything and I watch from afar and I'm thinking to myself, how did we get here and what is happening in this country? But it's happening and the focus on achievement in sports, and it's not even just playing the club sports, it's their statistics. I mean, how many parents do you meet where they rattle off their goals and their assists and this and that and whatever? And you're like, huh. And I'm like, gosh, (laughs) I watched my kid's basketball game. I couldn't tell you what he did. I mean, I cheered, you know, but it's like, this is very important. And so kids... They go from adult-directed activity to adult-directed activity. They only get praised for success and achievement. You know, that's all that they're hearing. So why would they focus on those interpersonal skills on a day-to-day basis when the things that's important to the adults in their lives are success and achievement? That makes sense. So it's not really just a shift. I mean, this and in your
1: book, I'm going to mention it again, No More Mean Girls, The Secret to Raising Strong, Confident, and Compassionate Girls, you talk a lot about this is a process between parents and kids. Like this isn't a book that you just read yourself. I mean, it's great to read yourself, but you really encourage parents to involve the kids in the process because it's it's not something that you can do to kids, right? It's really about being an example and also
2: involving them in the process. That's right. I mean, and you always hear the phrase, happiness is an inside job and, and that's very true. And so- Wait,
0: I never heard that phrase, actually. I yeah.
2: really like that. I've never heard I that. I feel like you know I it all the time, but oh you know, that's a so great that, line that it kind of boils down to that. Happiness is an inside job. You know, I can give you all the skills in the world that you want, I can I can show them to you, I can teach them to you, but unless you figure out what makes you tick and you figure out what helps you resolve the conflict and what helps you. You finally get brave enough to walk into that circle of people and say, hey, I'm Katie. Nice to meet you. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. Like you have to work together and kids have to be involved in the process. Instead of just barking things at them, we have to get in there, meet them where they are and help them find their way. I think that's awesome. I'm in it, Liz. Are you in it to win it here?
1: <laughs> I'm going to win it. Uh, soft uh, skills. Uh, yes! me, I'm totally in it.
0: Okay. So... And you know, you know, what's interesting, just as kind of an aside, both of our daughters Kristen, our oldest daughters, as we have the video to prove, are really into Mean Girls the musical right now. And my daughter went and saw it with her grandparents as a surprise 13th birthday gift recently. And what she told me is that the actress Barrett who plays Janice Ian, who's, you know, the like iconoclast, anti-mean girl, punky, sassy broad, she's the one who gets mobbed by fans. And she's the one who has to sneak out a side oh, door that's and not sign autographs. Yeah. She's the one who was like getting stalked on her way home. <laughs> she also happened to play Veronica and Heathers when that was on Broadway. And it's fascinating to me that so many girls are seeing this show. And they're not relating to Regina George, they're relating to the girl who's standing up to the mean girls and like living her own self and being her own person. You know, like her theme song is I'd Rather Be Me Than Be With You. <laughs> right. And actually that kind of gave me hope. Because at first I was like oh god, Mean Girls a musical? And then the more I saw it, the more I thought, you know what? The lessons are really good, and I love knowing that the breakout star is the girl who's
2: standing up to the Mean Girls. Right. I was nervous when I first heard that was becoming a musical too, only because you don't know what the message is going to be. But they were very purposeful in how they repackaged the message, the Mean Girls messaging, and I think that that's wonderful, and that's exactly what girls need to be seeing right now. Is this focus on you know because one thing that's happening with girls right now is Everybody's the same, you know, because there's such a focus on achievement and on sports and on, you know, stuff like that, that's tangible. Girls are striving to fit into these very small squares and it's like, well, well, we don't all fit in there, you know? We're all really different and we don't all fit in there. And I even see it with my own daughter who is, she's pretty introverted and she's very artsy and very creative. And she has said consistently since she was five years old that she wants to be a fashion designer when she grows up. And I have to say, like, usually, you know, my son's going to be in the NBA and we'll see about that. But with <laughs> her, it will surprise me if she doesn't go into some sort of fashion design career only because she's so consistent. She cuts up her clothes and makes new clothes and she asks me to. Oh, inexpensive that's awesome. clothes so she can redesign it. And she's very different, you know, but it's also a burden on her because she sees the other girls being the same and all wearing the Stan Smiths and she's preferring Converse or they're all, you know, doing this with their hair and she would rather And can
0: be I ask, are you in L.A. proper or are you in a smaller community?
2: We're in a small beach town called El Segundo, but L.A. Oh, is... Oh, yeah. You know, I used to work in El Segundo. I know it well. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it is interesting, you know, because we spend part of our time on the East Coast in Connecticut where... I grew up and it's a totally different vibe here with the kids so it is interesting to see how she's very free and herself here and not worried about what people think but out there she definitely has that worry I can see it in her eyes when she goes off to school in the morning she'll put together a really cool and different outfit and it's like I know no one else is going to be wearing that And then she'll have the second guess at the door. Like, are they going to say something? Are they not going to say something?
0: And I would imagine the things that make you fit in really differ from community to community. Because if you live in a more artsy community, then it's like, you know, theater or singing or dance or gymnastics is going to help you fit in. There are diehard, you know, hockey towns or soccer (laughs) towns or lacrosse towns. And that's what's going to make you fit in. And I mean, I guess I'm lucky I'm in Brooklyn where we don't really have any room to play lacrosse. So (laughs) the kids are like more... I guess
2: Brooklyn but, is a place to be if you're different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But, th- but you know what? We still have it too. Like, I still hear about the cliques and the popular girls. And, yeah. Actually, it's really interesting that you brought up the fashion design, which is really cool, by the way. I want to see her stuff. <laughs> um, I've always heard that girls in particular, especially by the time they get to like fifth, sixth grade, that if they have passions, interests, hobbies that go beyond boys, accessorizing social media, number of friends, number of likes, that if they have like something they're really committed to, that they're actually in better shape and better equipped to deal with mean girls and being ostracized or those other issues that come up. Have you heard that in your research or do you feel that way?
2: Yes, I do feel that way. And the reason that kind of holds true is because when kids have the time and space to figure out who they are. And this is a big part of it, is having the time and space to figure out who they are, because kids are often sort of steered into one thing or another. And like you say, certain communities are big on certain things. El Segundo is a baseball town. I've got like one of very few boys who doesn't play baseball in El Segundo. And so there are things, right, that kids get funneled into because of where they live. But when kids have the time and space to figure out their passions, figure out who they are, what they want to do, and just have the time to do it on their own, they really build their own self-confidence. You know, we're always trying to give kids – we're trying to hand them self-esteem with compliments and grades and numbers and whatever and trophies and, you know, you name it. But the truth is they have to do that on their own. They have to develop their own self-esteem and their own self-confidence. and they do that by figuring out who they are. I'm kind of a weird mom, and I know that about myself. I mean, I'm married to a musician. I'm a writer therapist. We're kind of a weird family anyway. We're different. You know, we're very different than the people all around us. And one benefit of that is that I have been able to step back and say, you know what, Riley? You don't have to play soccer. You didn't like it? Great, you don't have to do that. What is it that you want to do? I want to buy a sewing machine. I want to save my money to buy a sewing machine. All right, let's save money to buy a sewing machine, and let's do that. And I'm finally seeing the benefits of that as she's coming up on 12 in December where recently my husband observed her with a group of kids and a kid said something like, I don't like you. And she turned around and didn't miss a beat and said, I don't need you to be my friend. And she walked away. Oh, wow. And a lot of that comes from knowing who she is and not being afraid of who she is. And it's been a process, you know, it's been a long process and there's been a lot of self-doubt along the way. No,
1: I mean, I think that's a great point. I've got a 14 year old has always been different. I tell everyone her hobby is the color black like that's just It's the same thing like she like beats to her own rhythm but it's hard you know i live yeah. in the suburbs of philly you know it's not la but similarly right yep. everybody plays soccer everybody wears you know tube socks and right. you know sneakers and she's you know wearing docks in the dead of summer right so <laughs> it's
0: like but it, it, it's hard god, my daughter will be like mom god i wore like a pride pin today on june 1st and everyone was wearing the same pin so we have like the opposite kind of fitting in that's
1: this. really funny okay so parents <laughs> These days, and I think always at some level, want to know what to do, right? Like we are action oriented, and I know a lot of this involves just being there, being a sounding board, being empathic, letting your kids vent, right? But when do we know? Like when is it time for us to be like, okay, got to jump in, need to call the teacher, need to do something? You know, how do we as parents understand that
2: nuance it, with regard to social issues? Yes. Or just everything. Yeah, in with,
1: with, with with the social mean girl bullying kinds of issues that are. Like When do
2: you go to the principal? Yeah. When do you just
0: (laughs) talk to your kid about it? Just try to handle it on your own. When do you call the parents or when do you just have the kids work it out? It's very
2: complicated. And it's also complicated by the fact that this stuff can happen on and off throughout the day, every single day of the week. And some of it's big and some of it's small. And then it starts to build up. And all of a sudden you see your confident kid just totally tank and lose their confidence. And that's what's alarming to parents. And often we catch them on the way down because kids have a natural inclination to try to handle it on their own, especially in those like eight to 12 year old age range, because people are always telling them to figure stuff out, right? It's like that's the age where it's like, oh, figure it out on your own. So they try. Um, I find over and over again that they try to handle things on their own and parents tend to catch them on the way down when it's just gotten so overwhelming that they don't know what to do. But I always say the first step is to to really listen. The thing your kids need the most from you is to just listen with empathy and just not try to fix every problem, but just say, wow, I'm so sorry you're going through this. This sounds really hard. Tell me more about it. Can you tell me more about what the girl said that made you feel bad or what the girl did that made you feel so bad at school today? How did it happen? What was happening before? Help them kind of vent it out and talk through it without formulating a plan, you know, we're fixers as parents. And so they're telling us something awful and we're secretly texting on the side, you know, three other mothers to find out if they know anything to get more information, you know, and it's more important for us to just listen to our kids and get the information directly from them first without trying to gather resources. And then, you know, we can kind of say things like, I really want to help you through this. I didn't go through something exactly like this, but I, it reminds me of this time that this happened when I was in middle school. Can I tell you about this time and kind of empathize and show that you understand and then try to role-play solutions with your kids? I mean, parents get so weird about role-plays because it feels awkward and weird and they don't want to do it, but kids really don't. Kids want to do that. They want to practice because the more they practice, they figure out the right words to say and how to do it in their own way. That makes sense. You know, when the time comes. That's
0: smart. And yeah. especially, Sharon, our own experiences with our kids, I found that that's been the most helpful thing to say, you know, when I was in seventh grade, blah, 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 because then they understand you're not just coming at this as some disassociated parent who just doesn't get it, mom. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like it's good for them to see you as a former middle schooler or a former fifth grader or someone who also has been in this situation.
2: It's true because they put us on pedestals that we don't necessarily deserve. You know, they think that we have it all figured (laughs) out. It's like, oh, no, I've been through some terrible things. Okay, let me share some. (laughs) with you.
0: (laughs) And even as as adults, I've talked to her about being in situations where adults were mean. Yeah. Or like isolated me or ostracized me or tried to get me in trouble or whatever. And she's shocked. She's shocked. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing because it's like, guess what? You get to live your whole life with (laughs) this. Guess what? This will never change. (laughs) It normalizes it. But what's important is that she knows she's learning tools
1: so that when you get to a certain age, you're like brushing off your shoulder and you're like, oh, another one of these. There's always going to be situations like this. Okay, so before we end this part of our conversation. You know, you talk about resilience as important. We hear a lot, at least in our school district, about grit. And I, I really like that concept. So I'm wondering for our listeners, can you maybe share two or three things as a good starting point for parents to work towards raising resilient girls and boys, resilient kids in general?
2: Well, the first thing is we need to normalize failure because we are raising a generation of failure avoiders. Uh-huh. They don't want to fail. So, to avoid failing, they just avoid doing. And that's not a good strategy for life because they limit themselves.
0: That's why Jessica Leahy likes your book so much. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. They'll only do what they know they're really good at. And Jessie's right. You know, she's done a ton of research into this and she knows her stuff. So, that's the number one thing is to really normalize it in your family and just like talk about your own failures, big and small and make light of it and talk about how you're going to bounce back from it. So what are you All right. You messed up. You totally messed up. Something didn't go your way or how you thought it was going to go or what you anticipated. So what are you going to do? How are you going to redo that? Because you're not just going to sit around and cry about it and you're not just going to sit in your house and hide and never do that thing again. You're going to figure it out. Right. So bring those things to light. Really talk about missteps with your kids. The problem is we're constantly consequencing kids for missteps. And we shouldn't be. We should be talking about those missteps with them. And well, what can you do differently? And what went wrong? You tell me because I'm not you. Tell me what went wrong for you and how you ended up here. And then we can try to figure out what you can do the next time. Um, But one of the biggest things we can do, especially with girls who tend to be really, really, really big perfectionists and failure avoiders, is encourage them to take healthy risks every single day so instead of plugging them into all these activities which are great and teach them a skill set take them out of that for a little bit make sure they are doing things like climbing trees and trying a zip line and you know swinging really high and jumping from the swing and you know doing all these things we lived in this really like safety conscious world you know my mom and i were just talking about how like we're all so obsessed with hydration. And did you drink water? Did you drink water? Take another sip of water. water. She's like, you know, when I was a kid, no one cared how much water I drank and I'm 73 and I'm all right, you know? So really get girls out there taking risks, you know, just doing stuff, like healthy stuff is seeing how far they can push their bodies and what they can do with their bodies. And then also taking social risks, just trying to make a new friend, just trying to get in there with a group of people they don't know and yeah. just figuring out how to step in. I mean, because... The more they do that, yeah, there are going to be some times when it doesn't work out, but they're going to learn that that's all right. And they can bounce back from that and they can pivot and figure out a new way to do it the next time. I love I it. Think
0: that's fantastic advice. This has
2: been so helpful. <laughs> and
0: what I love about this book so much is that there is endless advice in here, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. No. Like it's just you've broken it up so beautifully. It's so easy to follow. It's like bite sized pieces and little sidebars. And I just think this is an outstanding book for parents, whether you've got babies and toddlers and you're freaking out about what may come in 12 years or you're right in the thick of it now.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you read it that way because I really tried hard to think about, you know, my husband always says, well, you started parenting on third base because you have all this information and you've been in this field for so long that you know how to do things that other parents don't come to the table with. And so I tried to think about, well, what does that mean? And I can understand that. I can step back and say, wow, I would really feel overwhelmed if my kids started showing like symptoms of perfectionism. And I would be like, oh my God, what's happening? Why is this happening? And why is she so anxious? And I know what to do instinctively, but most people aren't going to know what to do. So I tried to like really chunk it down in a way that makes it less overwhelming. Well, you done good. <laughs> You've done you. good.
1: <laughs> so folks can find you on Twitter. You are Katie F. Hurley on Twitter. And then, of course, your book is available everywhere. It's called No More Mean Girls, The Secret to Raising Strong confident and compassionate girls. And now you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? Yep. Okay. We will be back with all of our Cool Picks of the Week right after this. So, Kristen, we are welcoming a brand
0: new sponsor today, and this is a cool one. Yeah,
1: because it has to do with shoes, Liz. And it has to do with
0: free apps.
1: We we love shoes shoes. and free apps. Yes. (laughs) Well, free apps and shoes, like, that's, like, the perfect combination. And I don't know about your girls, but my girls, my son doesn't care so much about shoes, but my girls love shoes.
0: Yes, mine too, obsessed and very particular. And here's the thing, Gen Z is a foot sizing and e-commerce app that makes it easy to buy shoes that actually fit for your kids and that's so great for me because I've told you this before yes. every year in like early July right before I send off my kids to camp is when they're like mom I just outgrew all my shoes like literally in the middle of summer when there's like nothing available it makes me insane Yeah. so I love the idea that I can buy stuff really easily through the app and make sure my kids shoes fit here's a little
1: data nerding for you yeah. it's estimated that 70% of children 70, seven D 70 percent of children are wearing Shoes that don't fit. That's like the number
0: of women that wear bras that don't fit. I know. I see some synergies here. I wonder if our listeners are
1: wearing bras that don't fit and have children with shoes that don't fit because yeah, there's some synergies. There. You could do the research study in your free time. Okay, so <laughs> if you download their app, which you should do, right on the app because store. it's free. Yeah, it's free. And here's what you do: you just snap a photo of your kid's foot. That's insane. <laughs> So I know, awesome. it's really cool. And that gives you their measurements right from the
0: app. I think that's so cool. Yeah, and
1: then you can shop right within the app for a list of awesome shoes. We already looked. Liz approved them. She's like, ooh, good brand. So there you go. I if, know. Morgan and Milo. Yeah. Olivia and Luca. Yes. We've covered those guys for ages.
0: Pet-y-ped. or Actually, it's
1: Pediped. You don't need to worry about
0: how it's said. You, they're just great shoes. Doesn't matter. <laughs> there's also like New Balance, Play, c Chiron. Like These are good brands. These are not like no brand. Knockoff shoes, You can yeah. Get really and good stuff. like,
1: first of all, just the hassle of going and like getting your kids' feet size like, you can do it all right on your phone, you can order on your phone. And we have a special offer for spawned listeners if you use the code cool mom picks, you will save 25% off your first order. So, remember, you can download the app right now, you can use it to size your kids' feet all free. And then, if you feel like, hey, I see all these shoes, I want to buy them. Use our code, picks, You're going to save 25% off. That's like a quarter of a shoe. Free. Yes.
0: <laughs> it's Genzy, J-E-N-Z-Y, and you can find it for free in the App Store for your iOS devices.
2: Okay, it's time. Cool, sweet! cool picks of the week. And Katie, as our guest, you get to go first. So there's an app that I just absolutely love, and I recommend it to every kid that rolls through my office, and I use it with my own kids every single night of the week, and it is called the Stop, Think, and Breathe Kids app. There's also an adult one that I use for myself, just as an FYI. Yes, so Um, do we. (laughs) But the kids one is particularly great because it has lots of nice little imagery that goes with it, and it's a mindfulness app, and it teaches them the art of deep breathing, which is the single best thing kids can do when they are anxious, worried, frustrated, any sort of negative emotion, just learning to properly breathe it out will help calm their senses. And it's just a wonderful app with lots of mindfulness stories that they can well, share. Kristen, awesome. do you
0: notice know this is a trend? Yes. A lot of our guests who are authors who write about Conflict in particular. Yes. Are recommending various meditation apps. Yes. <laughs> I think there is something to this. I know. I mean,
1: I think it's great. I think it's great too. We, I mean, we've recommended the adult app and um, I use Calm, the Calm yes, app a lot. A um, but I think you're right on the nose with this that this is so important. I've got anxious kids and just the ability to breathe. It's, I know, just to some people who maybe aren't anxious, they're like, really? No, it really works. Slowing down your breathing is like medicine for the soul. So thank you. I'm going to download that. I'm going to put it on my son's (laughs) phone, actually. (laughs) Um, Okay, Liz, do you want to go next? Sure, I'll go. So this is 50
0: cool pics. How about that? (laughs) But it'll be fast. So Kate, one of the editors on our site, recently did the most amazing post on 50 screen-free activities for kids to do over summer break, whether you're inside or out, and it is awesome. Awesome. Like, I have it bookmarked on my own browser and I keep so coming I. back to it. It's really good. <laughs> it's on Cool Mom Picks. You can find it under 50 screen free activities for kids to do over summer break. I think we have it uh, right on the top on our homepage. But I mean, it's everything from board game suggestions. Thalia and I just started playing Boggle this week. We had the best time. Oh, I Yeah, love so just like breaking out a game, you know, taking walks, learning languages, drawing. I mean, and then some of it's like even more adventurous, um, like volunteer opportunities or or um, you know, certain movies that you could see, or you know games kids can do, or choosing random acts of kindness. Anyway, there are 50 of these. I think it's wonderful, and the whole point is so that anytime you've got a kid who's like, I'm bored, you can whip out your list of 50 things and be <laughs> like, no you're not, pick one. So I love this. Awesome, okay. So how about you, Kristen? What's your cool pick? Well, you
1: know what? I just want to remind everyone, we will link up Katie's book, and the app, and your link, everything we've talked about, over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. Okay, my cool pick is this kitchen gadget I can't stop talking about. It's called Yo Nana's, and I kind of just like to say you Yo Nana's. You,
0: I know, you've been talking about this all weekend. No, and no, now it's I'm awesome. Totally so it
1: basically turns any frozen fruit into ice cream, but there's no sugar or dairy needed. It's just That's, frozen I fruit. I don't believe you. I know. It sounds awesome. So the one I got is off Amazon. It was like thirty nine ninety nine. You need to like just get your super ripe bananas. You need to be really ripe. Put them in the freezer, and then you add any other frozen fruit with it. And my kids, like I'm not kidding, my kids have been eating bowls of this in the evening. Really? So you know. I need them. <laughs> that it's good. It's so easy to use. I feel like it's affordable.
0: How much is it? Do you know? Yeah,
1: thirty nine ninety nine is the classic version. That's great. I, I could use that Amazon. because I've been eating way too much ice cream to stay cool this summer and it tastes good a lot of people were like does it just taste like a smoothie and I'm like no it really has the texture of ice cream wow just saying yo nana's that is a cool pick well thanks so much for joining us for another episode of spawned huge thanks to our engineer john bowen and listen people we love to hear from you where are your emails where are your tweets we want them more the better we like them more more, the more the better and of course more reviews on itunes And make sure to subscribe. You can actually do that right now while you're listening. Download, save our episodes. I don't know if you realize this. We've said it before, but we're going to say it again. It actually helps other people find our podcast. And we love more listeners. It makes (laughs) me. (laughs) happy.
0: And you want to make us happy. And we want to make you
1: happy. Thanks for listening to Spawn. This is
0: Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye.